All right, welcome back everybody to The Rooster Report. This is Will, and I'll be your host for the show. Today we're going to talk about Anaheim 3, the first Triple Crown event of the season, and man, was this one exciting. So let's get into the breakdown of the Triple Crown events. This is a three-race format. Everything depends on how you qualify. The LCQs also take place in this race as well, and so depending on how you qualify, it depends on if you get into the night show or not. Now, let's remember, there's no heat races because of this type of format, and so it's really important to hit all your marks within qualifying session. So at this point in time, they've been doing the Triple Crown events for a number of years so far, and personally, they haven't been my favorite races. I think the idea of having more competition throughout the race and more of a high-speed entertainment-style race has been the thought and the hope, but in my opinion, it hasn't really been there. Uh, It hasn't been as exciting as this one, and so until A3 2023, this last race, it really changed my opinion on that. So for the success of this Triple Crown event, I think what comes down to it is how the track is laid out. Now, Dirtworks did a really good job of making this track more competitive than I've seen in any of the past Triple Crowns. With all of the rhythm sections that they brought into play, the whoop sections, and even some of the jumps, this offered a lot of opportunity for passing and even mistakes to happen. Now we all always wanna see mistakes happen from our favorite riders, but it does make the race more interesting. And with this being said, I think Dirtworks did a really good job in bringing all this together and making a great racetrack. Now when it comes to the riders, I think A1, especially the Anaheims together, don't really give them an opportunity to alleviate that stress. This is a type of race where you need to be on your toes at all times. And especially with the last one being A1, this type of racing calls for a good result. Now moving into qualifying, I think the biggest talk of the pits were McAdoo crashing in the whoops and it was a pretty violent one. And the aftermath is something that I'm really surprised he decided to race. I think it was kind of a do or die moment for him if he did. I think he's in a position where if he did race, it was going to be beneficial for him. And and I think it's obvious for him that the game plan was to allow him to race enough to where he could at least finish in the top five to where he could at least minimize the loss that he would have had to Jet. Now, seeing the aftermath of what McAdoo's arm looks like now, how it's all blown up, it's really surprising me that he did race. He was able to race and put up a charge into defending his spot in the title. I think that just shows what these guys are capable of. All right, 250 main event one. RJ Hampshire takes the lead. Now, RJ's been knocking on the door for a win for a long time now especially within this series. He's had a couple heat race wins that I think have propelled him for this moment. I think we've been waiting for him to get the right start, and it seems like in race one, he did. Well, Arj is having the race of his life right now. All the drama is behind him, and Jet had fallen into that drama. Jet falls right after the finish line jump, turning into another Dragon's back up into a double, and it seems like that turn was a little slick and it propelled him off the bike, but he was able to remount and charge back up to the front. Now at this point, RJ is able to hold his lead and win the main event, followed by Pierce Brown second and Jet Lawrence third. All right, main event two, and from the get-go, RJ Hampshire gets clipped by another rider and wasn't able to get the start that he had initially in race one. And so that set him back for the rest of the race. All right, now following this incident, there was a multitude of other things that happened, especially with Jet Lawrence. In the first lap, Jet Lawrence gets collected with another rider, gets pushed off the track, 
and wasn't able to get back on the track until he was about in 16th or 17th and had to fight back up to the top spot. Now, along with this, I thought this was going to be Enzo Lopes' race, and it wasn't. Uh, he got connected with Jet Lawrence, and a bunch of people did, and that set him back uh, even further, I think, to 17th or 18th. And so he had the fight back as well, but I don't think he did as well as Jet did at this point. Now, moments later, in lap two or three, we see McAdoo go down along with Pierce Brown. McAdoo goes over the dragon's back into the double in, into the uh, 180 turn section, and at that point, he washes out in the turn and collects Pierce Brown along with him, and they had the fight to get back up to the top spot. So now at this point, we have RJ Hampshire, McAdoo, Jet Lawrence, Enzo Lopes all out of the top 10 here and at this point these are the guys that you would expect to be top 5 and they're struggling to keep it in just do little mistakes that they're making on the track here. So meanwhile with all this craziness going on Phil Nicoletti is leading the race and he's not just leading the race he's about 5 or 6 seconds up in the beginning and kind of holds that through half the race until the end there but he does put up a good fight there which was really really fun to see. I think he's the last guy that I would expect to lead for multiple multiple laps and or half a main event um, that was such a surprise but due to his starts he's a pretty good starter for the most part uh, he put himself in a good position to be up in the top pack now something that no I don't know if you guys caught this or not but on Phil's bike when he was leading there was an illuminating green light and I think that's some sort of computer special effects that uh, Phil's doing to the leaders at this point and I think it's kind of nice to to have some sort of indicator if you're newer to watching racing or even for people who uh, watch it casually um, it's nice to have some sort of indicator other than following the leaderboard on the left hand side of the screen to know who is in front all right this second 250 main event continues with the crashes and that's with rj hampshire he goes in to the sand section just after the triple jump and loses grip on the bike, crashes pretty violently. It looks like he might have got crossroaded there and wasn't able to hold from the rebound of the bike and it propelled him over to the, uh, looks like the mechanic section over there. Um, was able to get up, but not able to really race as fast as we were hoping to see him. Um, it looks like that crash was pretty violent. So hoping for a uh, better race three from him. Now it seems like these factory guys couldn't catch a break during this second main event. In the whoops section, Pierce Brown goes down at the end there gets a little swap and wasn't able to uh, hold it together but it eventually just lets it go was able to remount the bike and finish out the race so to finish this main event we have phil nicoletti in first then we have styles robertson in second with levi kitchen in third styles robertson's able to come up and pass phil nicoletti for the lead along with levi kitchen coming up and grabbing that second spot with phil nicoletti in third uh, all that said i think the star boys in this race were kind of left in the shadow here. These guys put up a really nice charge and were able to keep their mistakes to a minimum and keep up front, especially with Phil Nicoletti as well. They were able, he was able to come up and uh, hold the lead for as long as he did and then stay for a podium position within that race. 
And so that was really nice to see. But for the other factory guys, it seemed like little mistake after little mistake plagued them and they weren't able to race the way they wanted to and ultimately it hurt them in the end and they had to settle for what they got. All right, let's get into main event number three and Jet Lawrence gets the start that everybody was hoping for and he's able to put himself in a good position. Following him though is Levi Kitchen. Now Levi is in an interesting position that I don't think he's found himself in. He's able to win the overall if he pulls this off and so we're going to follow him throughout the race. Now at this point of the race, I don't think Levi needs to go for the win. I think what he needs to do is play it smart, play it safe. If he can hold on the jet speed and learn that speed, then that's a good thing. But if he can't, minimize those mistakes, play it safe, and get the overall. Now during this race, RJ can't get a break. He crashes during the whoops. And this last crash kind of solidifies his night. Came out strong and was able to get that first win, but wasn't able to hold on throughout the pressure to win the second race. And now the third and has to settle for what he got. Now moving in the Jet Lawrence, everybody's been hoping for him to have this type of race all night long. Unfortunately for him, that didn't come until the last race, but he was still able to mitigate a little bit of loss there and finish on the podium. To round out Anaheim 3 for the Triple Crown, we had Levi Kitchen on top of step of the podium, which was number one, Stodd Robertson number two, and Jet Lawrence number three. It's also important to note that amongst all the crashes that he went through, Cameron McAdoo finishes up fourth and for not qualifying for the main event last weekend max volan finishes fifth all right now that wraps up the 250 class for the triple crown event now we're going to move into the 450 starting with main event number one all right so in this race chase saxon gets off to a great start and i would say i forgot to say this earlier but this start is absolutely nuts compared to anything that we've seen i think that with it going into a left hand turn and then over the berm into a rhythm section um, following another right hand turn is absolutely insane and different something that we haven't seen before and so uh, it gave a lot of opportunity for error in my opinion and a lot of opportunity for uh, things to happen so the start was key and Chase nailed it so following Chase Sexton is Ken Roxon and Adam Cincerello now for the shorter race formats um, my initial thought especially for fantasy was maybe we should put Adam Cincerello up in the front he's genuinely a good starter he does seem to always kind of be in the top four for at least the last few races and so um, I'm hoping for him to be good at these triple crowns eventually um, but we did see Tomac come up and was eventually able to pass him and maintain that position for third trailing these guys was Jason Anderson and Cooper Webb now these guys have been fighting through the pack at this point and it comes to a point where Jason Anderson has an opportunity to get Cooper Webb for the position now in typical Jason Anderson fashion we're seeing him put a wheel on Cooper Webb right after the finish line jump just finishing off the dragons back into the rhythm section and he puts Cooper down in that turn right before the rhythm section to claim fifth I believe and puts Cooper Webb down two positions so for main event one of the 450 class we have number one Chase Sexton number two Ken Roxon and number three Eli Tomac main event two for the 450 class off the start Cooper and Eli Tomac get together and it looks like Eli Tomac was able to save it barely though and he kind of ends up in the middle of the pack there. Meanwhile Jason Anderson comes out with the whole shot and is leading the race followed by Ken Roxon closely in second pressuring him for first. Now following Roxon I was surprised to see that AP was pressuring there for a long time and was holding a good position. Uh, just behind him though we had Sexton who went down right after the finish line jump that turn scene 
seemed to be really slick and collected a bunch of riders, especially in the Futures class like Danger Boy and even Jet. That was uh, a point of collection for all the riders there. Now, towards the end of the race, Eli Tomek has caught up to Ken Roxon in second and he's pressuring him for position. Now, they go through the rhythm section and Tomek pulls out that triple-triple from the on-off to another on-off, which was extremely difficult. One of the only guys able to do it cleanly and pushes Roxon out to the outside from the triple jump. They weren't able to jump the triple jump. They were doubling it, but Roxon pulled out this insane leap that was able to keep his position jumping into the sand section, and I'm surprised he was able to pull it off. I guess he found some motivation in there to keep Tomac at bay, especially since Tomac doesn't make a lot of mistakes. These are the type of races where you need to capitalize on those mistakes by him, and so he did just that. Now, Roxon and Eli, at this point, at the end of the race, are in a heated battle going back and forth. It wasn't until the last final turns of that lap that Roxon comes into a turn hot on the gas and doesn't let up, and it allows him to slide out, which allows Tomac to go by with a little bit of ease. Now, these are the mistakes that you can't make, especially when Eli Tomac makes a mistake, and you can have an opportunity to take away from that. You can make no mistakes. You have to be precise in every decision. You have to be hitting all your marks. So to finish out race two for the 450 class, we have Jason Anderson, number one, Eli Tomac, number two, and Ken Roxon on the third position. So now at this point, we have the last main event of the race of the Triple Crown for Anaheim 3, 450 main event three. Jason Anderson and Chase Sexton are out in front, pushing away to break away from the pack, followed by Aaron Plessinger with another great start. Now at this point, Chase is on a heater and he's willing to prove that he wants to be on the top step of the podium. He has Jason Anderson in his sights at this point and he's able able to pass Jason in a rhythm section with little to no effort. Now, possibly one of the biggest crashes of the night was not expected by this one rider. Eli Tomac and Cooper Webb were battling for position at this point, and Eli was going fast. He had kind of unlocked that three-on to the off-on onto another three-on and was able to pull up a lot of time on his competitors. And this one last time that he was able to pull it off, well, maybe not so. So he jumps into the jump a little bit wrong, maybe gets a little cross-rutted and jumps straight into the top block. Now, as we mentioned before, Eli doesn't make a lot of mistakes, but when he does, it's time to capitalize on it. But I'm so surprised that he was able to walk away from this one because that was probably one of the more harder crashes I've seen him have in the last couple of years. Usually the mistakes that he has are self-inflicted and they're pretty simple crashes. The crashes in turns just laying it over and most of these crashes don't result in injury. He was able to get up and finish outside the top 10. I'm not really sure really what place he got. I think it was around 14th or 15th, but I could be wrong. Moving on from the Tomac crash, we had Cooper Webb coming up the pack to pass Jason Anderson for second, which puts Jason in the third. All this allowed Chase Sexton to check out and win the race, dodging lap traffic at the end there with Benny Bloss going over the bars at the last possible second, but he was able to secure the win. Cooper Webb coming in second and Jason Anderson coming in third. Now, I don't know about you guys, but if we can have races like this as a triple crown, then I'm all for it. 
Like I said before, I'm not a big fan of this platform, but I'm here for it with this race. So the final results were Chase Sexton with a 1-5-1 to get first, Jason with a 5-1-3 for second, Ken Roxon with a 2-3-4 for third. Now Tomac was able to get back to 13th, which solidified his spot in six. So that was a lot of damage control for him. That was a good way to end the night. All right, that's going to wrap it up for the Rich Report Show. Thank you so much for listening. As always, this is Will. And next time you hear from us, we're going to be talking about the East Coast. See you next time.